Welcome to the daily devotional podcast of Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. is and has always been a very tricky subject for Christians. From those who condemn it in all its forms to those who have an anything-goes attitude and everything in between, it remains a tough one for us to navigate. In generations past, it was thoroughly looked down upon and divorced people were severely judged, especially if they remarried. Today, most churches seem to have a more gracious acceptance of the divorce and remarried, with some concern being that perhaps we've swung too far the other way, losing the high view of marriage that scripture holds. So what does the Bible say about marriage and divorce? Jesus would teach on it a little bit, including in today's verses. The Sermon on the Mount continues in Matthew chapter 5, verses 31-32, through 32, which says, It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The New Testament talks about divorce in a few places, and Jesus' words here are an important part of the conversation. The Old Testament law said that a man must divorce his wife legally with a certificate of divorce, as is quoted here by Jesus. In Jesus' time, there were two schools of thought on what that really meant. There were two different interpretations of that scripture. One school of thought held that it meant that a man could divorce his wife for any reason as long as he gave her a certificate of divorce. This view held that as long as the letter of the law was followed, the reason behind the divorce didn't matter. The other school of thought held that God intended marriage for life and that divorce could only be for serious offenses like adultery. Obviously, Jesus makes clear he belongs to the second school of thought. We'll revisit this later in Matthew chapter 19, where Jesus also makes clear that divorce was granted as a concession to the hardness of human hearts, but it was not to be the ideal or the norm. From the beginning, God intended marriage for life. In today's verses, Jesus obviously sets the standard for divorce very high. Adultery is the only reason that he gives as a reasonable one for divorce. The Apostle Paul will later add that an unbeliever wanting to leave a believing spouse was reasonable grounds for divorce as well. But the Bible's also silent on abused spouses and perhaps other gray areas that don't fit neatly into these two biblical grounds for divorce. We would never judge an abused woman for leaving her husband, Christian or not. We would encourage that. What of the wife who fools around with another man but stops short of intercourse? Is that cheating? What of the man with a pornography addiction who refuses to deal with it and treat the problem? Those who don't technically fall into the category of adultery, but all this to say, Many Christians have a very black and white view of divorce, which is often not a black and white issue. Some have interpreted this passage to say that the problem is not so much divorce, but remarriage. We can perhaps divorce for reasons other than infidelity, but then we're to stay single. As Jesus seems to say, it would be considered adultery in God's eyes to marry another. All of this is incredibly challenging, and it's going to require wrestling for all of us. One thing for certain is that we should not elevate divorce or remarriage beyond any other biblical matter, or treat the divorced or remarried with anything other than loving grace. 
It's pretty much guaranteed that any divorced person bears deep wounds from the experience, and our call to show love and care and compassion to others should swing us into support, not judgment. As we do that, we can ponder how we can hold to the Bible's very high standard of marriage and offer counsel and support to marriages in trouble. We can also stand against the culture around us, which seems to take a fairly laid-back approach to the whole affair, and we can continue to be a voice for faithfulness and fidelity, declaring what God intended marriage to be. Today, just take some time to wrestle with all of this, and if you see a struggling marriage around you, see if there's any way you can offer some support to those who are struggling, giving love and compare to some who surely need it, and of course, praying for them as you do. Thank you.